Podcasting from anywhere other than a jail cell, this is Soberholic, a podcast created to encourage, equip, and inspire you to overcome your hurts, habits, and hangups. And now, your show hosts, Roger and Jason. Welcome back, everybody, to your favorite podcast, Soberholic Podcast. I'm Roger. I'm here with my co-host, Jason. What's up, buddy? A lot of stuff is up. A lot of stuff is up. That was it. It's I mean, a new year. It is. How about that? Like, it's not 2020 anymore. Yes. Like it's hard for me to even think that because like we're we are pre-recording this in December, like we told everybody, and so it's going to come out at the, in January, and so I'm already I, I'm having to think as if I'm out of 2020 right now. And, yeah. and I'm really not, but it's got to be better. It's 2021 be better. has got to be better. <laughs> this will be the year. Um, I'm happy to think ahead. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no doubt. But, you know, it, it, 2020 has not been that bad to me. It never was. Um, I, I didn't like the COVID, but I, I, I think we're still going to be fighting COVID in the beginning of 2021 anyway. So probably not a lot will change other than the possibility of a fresh start. Yeah. So always good. Anyways, um, I want to talk about something today that I think um, is important to anyone in recovery. And it's a topic that I hear a lot about from individuals that I've sponsored and from even family members of, that may have someone who is struggling. And it talks about, you know, like when, when, did, when did you quit or when do you think my loved one will quit using or, or doing the stupid stuff that they're doing? And, and what it translate to, translates to is you know, your bottom, you know, ultimately what we're going to call this show is defining your bottom. And I believe that looks different for everybody, but I figured one of the best places to start with defining your bottom is talking about our own bottom, about what it took for us to make a decision to, to change our lives and to look for something different, you know, um, something, you know, for some people, it's a night and day switch. Like there was one particular thing that happened. For others, it may be you know a, a list of things that happened to lead you up to the ultimate decision to say something has got to change. So, for our listeners, I think that for us to get there, um, I just like to talk about our bottoms, yeah. and we'll start with yours. Yeah, sure. Um, the first time I'd ever heard the term, like, I hit, hit rock bottom or hit bottom was in an AA meeting. And it was, I, it was one, of, one of my first ones I went to, I think. And I remember being like, what in the world are they talking about, you know? And so in the meeting, they were just going around basically, you know, saying what their, what their bottom was. And... Um, since I was kind of early on, I was just like, it got about halfway around the room, and I was like, man, like, I'm nothing, I'm not near as bad as these people, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I remember one lady who you know, she was talking about, like, blacking out drinking. And you got to remember, when I first came into AA, I did not think I was an alcoholic. I knew I was a drug addict, you know? I, 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 was, I, was, I was that guy, yeah. you know, who was like, I'm an addict, yeah. you know? And if um, somehow I would classify myself as being better, like, yeah, <laughs> because I like, was an addict, not like, an alcoholic. I'm not like y'all alcoholics. I'm yeah. an addict because that's better yeah. when it's not. It's all the same thing. But anyway, so I'm in there thinking I'm different, you know, from from the very beginning. But the lady was talking about blackout, blacking out while she was drinking, and like I didn't realize 
like I just started replaying like me blacking out and never having a term for it. I didn't even know what the term blackout was, but I started kind of replaying my drinking history, and I was like, you know what? I blacked out the first time I ever drank. <laughs> I just thought like it was just what happened when you drink. That's not what happens when most people drink. Right. Most people do not black out. And so it, it was very helpful to hear people talking about their bottoms, even though it took me a while to kind of come around to the fact that, you know, maybe I haven't hit the extreme bottoms as some of these people have, which I would later on go go on and, and hit some of those bottoms. Um, but it, it was very helpful just to kind of like see – the different depths that you know people will go um, to for their uh, in their um, addiction and their using and drinking, but my bottom really I kind of I kind of see uh, with my story there's two main bottoms. Um, there there was one around um, 2008 when I had um, started going to the methadone clinic and good lord. Man, I, I I was getting a COVID test this morning, and I was waiting in a line, like going out the door or whatever. And yeah. I just had a flashback <laughs> to like the the methadone days of waiting outside of a you know quote unquote doctor's office, you know, to get my to get my dose for the morning. Anyway, I was sitting there thinking, I'm so glad that's not what I'm waiting on today, <laughs> even though the COVID test wasn't fun, but. Um, the, the whole methadone days, um, around, around that period of time, it was just horrible. Well, was mean, this like back when you would hide in the bushes? So you oh could be yeah, first in yeah, line? yeah. We were hiding in the bushes, you know, <laughs> to wait in line because you couldn't show up. It opened at six, but you couldn't get there early and wait in line outside the door. So you'd kind of have to hide. And so we'd be hiding at the in the bushes at like 5.15 or 5.30. So you'd get your dose and move on, huh? Yeah, well, I, you know, then you would end up waiting in line by the same people every morning. And then when one of them wouldn't show up and you'd be like, hey, where's, you know, where's Bob or whatever? And somebody would be like, oh, he died the other day, you know, from, you know, mixing drugs with the methadone or whatever. And you would just be like, oh... That's sad. Poor Bob. Poor Bob. Poor, that would never happen to me. Poor Bob. That'll never happen to me. Yeah. Right. And just the whole the whole lifestyle of it, um, thinking that it was going to make your life better and that it was quote unquote treatment, um, when really everything kind of really spiraled out of control f- for me personally when I started going to the clinic. That's when I started getting arrested and all that jazz. And then... Um, I went to the methadone clinic about a year and a half, and when I I finally decided, all right, I I need to go to rehab, I didn't go to detox because there were really no detoxes like around then that were like dedicated detoxes. Mm -hmm. So I came out, and I went to this um, faith-based rehab and was just cold turkey, you know, coming off of methadone. And I made it about nine days, and it was just nine days of just pure hell. And um, I got kicked out because of my detoxing 
you know withdrawal symptoms were so bad they were just like we can't do nothing with you because wasn't you like working or something then like you had to work as part of your keep there oh yeah and you was washing cars and couldn't do well something? no this that was a different one <laughs> this one i was working in a thrift store and i was going to the bathroom all the time and i, I was barely working i couldn't even work right. you know and they were like we can't you know you're gonna have to do something yeah, else you're, like, you're useless yeah we, we can't really do anything with you so and that was that was really like my first bottom um you know that that was like a distinct bottom where i was like it, how can it get any worse than this you know i was looking at um prison time i had a bunch of felonies stacked up on me um but for the sake of time i'll move on to the second bottom which was when i got sober this last time in 2013 i had been sober for for multiple years going into a relapse i had you know i had a job i had a nice place to live i had built all that kind of stuff back up and then behind a failed relationship as as this is very common i kind of got depressed i quit going to meetings as regularly quit talking to my sponsor i quit doing all the things you know all all those things that had kept me sober for a few years and um i relapsed and it was only like about five months until i just completely like sold everything lost everything lost my job car palm my cell phone i mean just just ridiculous you can't know. even call the dope man. couldn't even couldn't even call the dope man and there i was again i was like i just remember thinking that was probably the biggest emotional bottom that i'd ever hit because mainly because like having multiple years of sobriety i just i i really thought i was like i'm never gonna get this like I felt so, I felt way more hopeless than I ever had before, because I was like, I'm never going to be able to get sober and stay sober. Mm-hmm. Like I just, that was just gone to me at that point. And um, but my mom was the key person who really kind of was like, look, just go to this rehab, just do it for me. Right. She was trying to figure out any way to con me in to go into this rehab. She was like, just do it for me. Just go there. Stay there two weeks, and then whatever. She was just trying to get me to go there. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, okay, yeah, I guess I'll go. I mean, so I went, and then, you know, that was the time that I got sober this time, and, and things things did get better, and I have stayed sober um, by the grace of God. But, man, um, that was the time where i was working at at a car wash detoxing in 95 degree heat and yeah it was just i i I will not forget that every time i pass by a car wash i think about (laughs) having withdrawal symptoms working at a car wash and i'm like i don't want that i don't ever want that again right you know yeah you know um So I hear your story, and you mentioned two bottoms, and I, I guess a lot of people would say they're different bottoms, you know. Mm-hmm. But in reality, in my opinion, there's only one bottom, you know. And so for you, it was there at the end um, when you made it to your car wash, um, and I, and I guess every one of them, um, there's something to build off of. There's a lesson to be learned in all of them, but they're ultimately to me a bottom is, is the very end where you make the, the decision to, to stop doing what you're doing. Because for most addicts, um, especially like you and me, there's been multiple times we've tried to get sober. Oh yeah, and so that was a, a essentially like you're saying some sort of a bottom or something uh, to make you want to change, but. In the end, that was only the one time you've gotten sober and stayed sober, mm-hmm. and that's where you, what, what you're doing now. 
Um, you know, for me, I was a lot like you. The stories sound a lot the same. Um, I knew that I was a drug addict, wasn't convinced I was an alcoholic. However, I never drank socially in my life. It was always to drink to uh, blacked out or passed out. And I was aware of both of those because that's where I was drinking. To, <laughs> you know, I, I knew what they were. I just wouldn't, you know, I, was, I guess in a lot of ways I was proud of those things because I could drink <laughs> unlike anyone else. Now, I was always the fighter, the belligerent one, slur, you know, slurring all over myself. And, and I was going to drive as soon as I took, got a beer or a drink in my hand. It's time to hit the road. I wanted to, I wanted to hit the open road, and so that that cost me four DUIs. But you know, you know, even with four DUIs before I was twenty one, I still didn't think I was an alcoholic. You know, wow. I just, maybe a drinking problem, yeah. But I mean, and the reason for all this is because. Um, regardless of how bad it had gotten, I was still paying my bills. Right. You know, my power bill was paid. I personally, I don't think that I pawned anything. Now, I did send some girlfriends to pawn some of my stuff, but I didn't want to pawn <laughs> it because then it, it would be bad. But if they pawned it, it wasn't too bad, wow. right? And there was a lot of illegal stuff that went along with that, you know, the drugs and that I was selling and those things and forging prescriptions, which eventually got me a felony. All of those things. The, the, my life was certainly out of control, but I didn't really know any different. You know, mm-hmm. I mean... I guess I did know different. My parents didn't, wasn't ever in the in the lifestyle I was, but I had removed myself from anything that looked safe or sound in my life. And so the people who were around me, my life didn't look all that out of control because that's what they were doing. So um, I definitely could tell you that I was a just a garbage can junkie. You know, I would do anything you put in front of me, but uh, pills was my thing, and and I liked to shoot up. And um, for me personally, I didn't want everybody else to know it because I had some friends that would shoot up, and you could see the track marks all over mm-hmm. their arms. And you know, I still had an ego that I had to you know be okay in this pride, so I would do it in my feet so nobody could see. You know, and the problem was that I would I would miss a lot, and it would cause my feet to swell really bad. And I had gotten to where I was like my feet was like twice the size they were supposed to be because I had messed up a lot of times there, and it may have been the, the over and over pricking. I, I don't know really what all caused it, but I do know they were so it felt like I was walking on clouds. How bad my feet were swollen, and I, this girl that I was dating at the time, she was living with me. And um, she knew how bad it was. And she'd even reached out to my mom and other people talking about how bad it was because I was now walking around with a gun. And every time I'd get high, I'd threaten to kill myself and um, or kill you. It didn't matter. I just, I just really didn't want to die. I was miserable whether I was high or whether I wasn't anymore. And um, I guess it was a night that I'd blacked out or passed out or whatever. And I don't know about you, but I always had to manage my drugs the night before because I had to have something when I woke up. If not, I, I would start coming unglued and um i had taken everything the night before and even though i laid there when i woke up the next morning with a pocket full of money i was in too bad a shape to call anybody to get some and um usually i had these girls that i was dating that i would send to go get it for me and she wasn't there when i woke up and so i was all alone with cash and curled up in a fetal position just hurting and for me that was my bottom yeah. Um, it was just, um, 
I was just sick and tired of being sick and tired. You've heard that term. Oh, yeah. And just, I, I was I was tired of it, man. I was literally, it was either let me die, because I could remember so many nights going to bed um, or waking up praying to God that I, that I didn't even believe in. Um, why don't you just kill me? If you're real, then kill me, you know, because, you know, to get me out of my pain and my misery, because I was, I really thought I was beyond hope. You know, I had tried a couple of times to get sober already, and it didn't work. Ultimately, because I didn't ever want to change nothing, you know, I wanted to get sober on my terms, and that didn't work. Um, and so I just I knew that this was my life, and I didn't want to live it anymore. So I, I came to this point where it was like, all right, something's got to change. And that morning, and I I reached out to call a rehab center, not my mother, yeah. not anybody else. I didn't even really care what they thought. It, you know, I wasn't trying to do it to please them anymore. It was just I was tired of, of living this way. Something had to change. And that's when I reached out to a rehab, and um, that kind of started it all for me. You know, it took a lot. I got really high going to rehab. You know, I, I, I you know, I went out with a bang, and <laughs> you know, I was like, "This is my last time. I'm going to do it." It's kind of like I went on a diet now. I done screwed up. I'm going to eat them all, all the little Debbie cakes now. Yeah. You know, so that's the what I did. And um, you know, I just. I made it to the rehab, and, you know, things, it wasn't all just, oh, it's over with. You know, while I was in rehab, I was already convinced of myself that, you know, if I'll just detox, I can come out of here and things will be different. But my previous encounters with rehabs taught me that that ain't going to work. Right. Because if it did, I wouldn't be in rehab again. You know, so you know there was a lot of a lot of things at play there, um, and it kind of goes back to what you mentioned about your different bottoms. Had I not had those other times that I'd went to rehab, I don't know that I was saved this last time because I would have convinced myself, you know, I would have believed those lies in my head. But sure. because I experienced those lies in the past, I knew they were just lies, and those bottoms taught me something. To where this time, it was. I don't know. It was just different for me. It was for me this time. There was nobody else in the world I was trying to please or make happy. I was just tired of living that way. And, you know, um, I made it to an AA meeting after I went through rehab for a while. And, I, you know, I graduated the rehab program. And I, I remember going in. They told me to get a sponsor. And I was a little leery about that part. But then it made sense to me that I didn't know what to do. Again, drawing from past experiences of other times I was unwilling to do things. So, again, I think that was part of my bottom is realizing I needed help. And then um, ultimately the thing that I think was the biggest change for me is even after I had a few months sober was I kept hearing people say that you got to change everything, your playmates and your playgrounds. And for a lot of people, that is very hard to do. Like you don't want to give up those things because they're so normal to you. Um, but I literally would have danced naked in, in the middle of a major highway in front of where our clubhouse was if my sponsor would have told me to. Oh, yeah. I don't think he would have ever asked me to do that, like, seriously. But had he have asked me to, I probably would have done it because I was that ready to change my life. Yeah. And that's what a bottom, to me, will bring you to, is you're willing to do something that you never would have done in the past. Yeah. And so bottoms are different for everybody. And I don't know that um, for one person it's the same. Just like you mentioned when you went to your AA meetings, 
in the beginning and you listen to all the different stories around the table, oftentimes I think when I meet with people, they will say, well, or they would expect their loved one who's going through a struggle or addiction that their bottom is when they're living under a bridge somewhere. Right. Or that's when we, you know, as addicts say, oh, at least I'm not there. You know, yeah. and, and essentially we're saying that that's the bottom. That's the end of the road when you're broke and living under a bridge. Well, that wasn't my bottom. I had money. Um, my yeah. bills were paid. I don't know that I would call myself productive, but I mean, I was a living. Right. And, you know, I'm, I was living a life that most people would want to live. You know, as, as an outward looking in, you know, I wasn't rich, but, you know, I was getting by. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I, I think it's important to see that as you look to define your own bottom, you know, it's really what are you motivated to do? Mm-hmm. You know, how, how bad is your pain level right now? Yeah. And because if, if pain isn't great in your life right now and you're still struggling through whatever you're going through, my guess, personally, that you're probably not at a bottom yet. Yeah, and I, I think that's one of the key things that marks what a bottom is. Is it, it's basically like you're you're beat into submission, and you're you're crying, uncle. You're saying <laughs> mercy, I give, mercy. I give up. Yeah. You know that that's what the bottom, um, the good part of getting to a bottom is. But what's great is, um, you know everybody's bottom doesn't have to be the the guy under the bridge with the brown paper bag or whatever and and really you know the whole point of recovery is to raise the bottom which is the name of my old home group in new orleans we were called raise the bottom Hmm. you know that was that was what you know one of the purposes of even having you know meetings and all that kind of stuff is 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 so that we can raise people's bottoms they don't have to go to all the way down um the scale like some of us have gone um you know and and that's a beautiful thing i i I know many people in recovery that they never lost their job they didn't lose their families you know they didn't um you know end up um you know stealing from their mom and you know so they could buy some dope and shoot it up or whatever you know they they just had a mild drinking problem and they drank but you know to make themselves feel better and that was a problem to them and so they came to meetings and and stopped and that story is often overlooked in recovery um and and a lot and i've even heard people who who have that story kind of downplay their own story because it's not it's not so dramatically you know uh, the underdog coming back you know from from the bottom kind of a story but to me it's still just as powerful because of all the misery that was spared in their life you know for the person who didn't lose their family man that's a miracle that they didn't because they would have if they wouldn't have stopped and um that that's the great thing about raising the bottom is we we know that if you if you have this disease of alcoholism or addiction or whatever that it is progressive and it's fatal and so if you're able to stop earlier than hitting um a severe bottom where you you know you go to prison or you're you're overdosed or you go to you know treatment center 30 times or whatever if you're able to avoid one of those bottoms by by getting into some recovery and 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 getting a sponsor and working the steps then by all means do it you know and and 
and people in the meetings will will rejoice with you that you were able to to not experience those extreme lows. That's a great point because um, you know one of the, the stories I hear a lot, especially if we're just talking about alcoholism, is that you know you run into this particular person that is just a binge drinker, mm-hmm. and they may only drink for four or five days out of the whole month. And they're usually consecutive, and they'll get drunk and stay drunk for you know on a bender for about four days. Mm-hmm. They'll clean up and be done. And it may be the days they were off work. The rest of the time they go to work. They work their forty hours a week. Um, they look like a good husband or wife, and you know so they go. Well, I, I don't have a problem like you because they hear my story or your story or someone else's story. Say it hadn't fell apart like that, um, and. And then it's almost like what you talk about, you know, there's this unwritten rule that people almost try to compare stories inside of meetings. And most people don't mean to do it like to share war stories as you hear, but it's almost like, well, my story isn't as glamorous as yours, or I didn't do the things that you did. So obviously my life is not as bad as yours. If it gets that bad, then I'll say I hit my bottom. Well, you know, I would have to say if you are questioning your four days a week drinking, bender or whatever it is then there's probably a problem going on yeah i mean why would you question it if it's not a problem you know yeah that's like the whole typing in google search am i an alcoholic exactly (laughs) if you have to ask that question odds are then you've got a problem Uh, that could be your bottom right there i mean just simply having to google that question could be your bottom (laughs) you don't have to lose your job or your wife and all of those things um but it's only up to you to make the decision is this the point where i'm going to change direction is this where i pivot and stop doing the things i was doing and begin doing something different and you know what a great place to be where you don't lose all that stuff as you mm-hmm. said earlier um, where you can start leaps and years ahead of where I did and don't have to rebuild all that yeah so um, you know at the end of the day um, everyone's bottom is going to be different and it's up to you personally to define what it looks like and if you get it wrong, and you continue to drink, well, then it may bring more pain into your life. Yeah, and that's that's you know another good way to define a bottom is just you know what is your pain threshold? Mm-hmm. You know that's when when you get that gift uh, gift of desperation, you know that's usually your bottom when you're so desperate for change, so desperate to not be in that amount of pain anymore. And and for me, it was it was emotional pain. Sure, I, I had all kind of physical pain from withdrawal symptoms and being dope sick all the time and all that kind of stuff. But that wasn't what drove me to recovery. It wasn't. I didn't. I didn't get sober this time just because I was sick of having you know being dope sick right. and the physical part of it. It was the emotional part of it and not having any peace, satisfaction, um, or purpose in my life at all that ultimately, you know, drove me to be desperate enough to, to try to change my life and do something different and realize that I don't know how to do this. And that was kind of like the beginning steps of my recovery. Well, our hope and prayer for you today is that you either know where your bottom was or that you find it today because um, living 
in that kind of pain, whether it be physically or emotionally or spiritually, is not a good place to be. And um, we know that firsthand. And so I pray that you find that bottom today or that you've been at that bottom and you share that bottom with someone else so maybe you can be the hope in someone else's life. Well, Jason, uh, I guess that brings us to another close to another show. Yep. And Raise the, the begin of a new year. Yes. So, all right. Well, I'm Roger. I'm Jason. We're signing out. Thanks for listening to Soberholic with Roger and Jason. If you like the show and want to know more, check out SoberholicPodcast.com. Please remember to leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. See you next week, Soberholics. <laughs>